Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. Now, Lord, I ask that, Lord, would you just send the Holy Spirit and come by your Spirit, O God, and light up this word. I thank you, O God. There is no God like you. There is no one greater. There is no one stronger. And we are the sheep of your pasture. So I ask you to feed us today with a living word, Lord, that we may rise, O God, in freedom to bless you and glorify your name. In this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles or your phone, we're going to be looking at um, Joshua chapter 2. We're going to spend all our time in Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to talk today about freedom from long-standing strongholds. Freedom from long-standing strongholds. And I want to frame up what I mean by a stronghold. Stronghold is a fortified place in our mind, our spirit, and our heart that it seems that the devil wins in that place. And it can be a stronghold because of a habit. We have habits that we can't seem to break free from. We have fears that seem to win in a certain situation. We seem to have no control over those fears. Strongholds of despair, strongholds of stubbornness, procrastination, laziness, anger. This place that seems walled up and walled in and God, we, we're going to look today in the amazing journey of Joshua 2 concerning long-standing strongholds. You know, when we come to Christ, some things just seem to melt away. Some things just seem to fall away. Is that not true? How many have experienced the delivering power of Jesus Christ, not just in your salvation, but in a lifestyle, in the way you made choices, the way you thought, the way you... Amen. Thank you, Lord. He does a work. And we've heard so many amazing testimonies that when people got saved and they were brought from darkness to light, that nobody needed to preach a sermon to them. It's like a clearness came in and they knew it was right and they knew it was wrong. A conscience seemed to all of a sudden became alive and they just wanted to naturally turn from what they knew to be wrong and turn to the light who is Christ, who is our life and the love of our life. And so much changed in that moment. But there are some issues, beloved, that are a struggle that we can all own to. There are, there are issues that do not melt away at those beginning days. There are things that follow us. And in, follow us, in following us, they seem to mock us. And they seem to torment us and to cause failures in faith. Beloved, the devil is the accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the father of lies. He is our adversary. And he is our opponent. And we become very clear who we are dealing with in times of struggle, in times of where certain areas seem to, to, we seem to have very little light or no victory in certain areas. The devil who is the accuser and the father of lies can come and say, is God, is God strong enough for this? Is God strong enough for this? He can say, is God good enough? I mean, does he get some secret delight somewhere in us not getting free? Is God really good? I mean, if he's good, why is this happening? Why do things happen? Or the father, or the father of lies, the accuser of Brenwin can say to us, you know, you're a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. 
Are you strong enough? I mean, where's your faith? Are you good enough? I mean, is your faith big enough to get free? I mean, you really, after all this time with God, shouldn't your faith be big enough? You shouldn't be experiencing this, that you are still struggling with things. You know, beloved, the devil always frames the fight in his terms. He always wants to frame up what the situation is and what the fight is in his terms. But for the child of God, for the child of God who is sincere, not perfect, only God's perfect, but for the child of God who is sincere, I want to say today, deliverance is the children's bread. Deliverance is the children's bread. Freedom comes. Freedom comes because the cross is the center of our faith. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now God has a supernatural plan concerning strongholds. Because it takes every kind of testimony to bring glory to God. And God is in control. And freedom comes his way. Freedom comes his way. We're going to see that so clearly in Joshua chapter 2. And it's Jesus Christ who dictates the terms. It's Jesus Christ who is the one who is leading us to a place of freedom on his terms, his way, because the cost of our freedom was way too costly for him, for him not to dictate the terms and for us to bow our knee and say, thank you, Lord. I'm, I thank you. You're reviving my faith today. And some thank you. I am having a window of what's going on in my life. Now in Joshua chapter two, there is a very compelling and beautiful story of a woman who was delivered by God from her strongholds. Her name is Rahab, familiar to many people. And Rahab, I I love, you know, her name has two meanings. Rahab, in the original language, it means pride and it means liberty. And I love the idea that this woman, who's going to be a perfect example to us of someone delivered supernaturally from their stronghold, that there can be a part of her life that was dominated by or wrapped in by pride and a, a huge part of her testimony in life of freedom and liberty. You know, we can wear pride like armor. We can wear pride like armor to keep people out and the pain in and hidden. And the scripture tells us she was a harlot, a prostitute, and she lived on a wall a wall that surrounded a city called Jericho. It was a stronghold. It was a fortress. And it's interesting because this city, Jericho, blocked the entrance into the promised land. That city had to be removed and those walls had to go down before the people of God could enter into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. And Joshua too tells us that two spies came to this place, Jericho. And these two spies were sent by Joshua because they were absolutely going into the promised land. They were two spies that belonged to the armies of Israel. You see, 40 years earlier, 10 spies had been sent into this same land. And eight of those 10, they they came back with an evil report. They came back saying, no, no, I, we know God's given us this land. We know, we know God's good. God's good. Yeah. God's given us this land. But guess what? There are giants in this land and we can't go in. 
we can't go in because this, this, we will be defeated. We will be demolished there. And so God said, in spite of my promises to you, in spite of my promise to go with you, you've decided that my promise is not good enough to enter into the place I gave you. So God said, no, you will wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And now 40 years had passed and those people who were convinced in their hardness in this unbelief passed away. But now it was a new day. It was a new day. And these two spies, these two messengers of God belonged to that new day. They truly believed they were not going to be turned back from the promise of God. That they were literally going to go to the land that God had promised them. And they were going to occupy it. And they were going to bring glory to God by being his people. Settled in a land that he had chosen for them. And beloved, I I just want to say today in modern terms. This is the land. This is the land. This is the land. Body, soul, and spirit. We are the land. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this, these two spies, their experience with God, they had, they, as a nation, they had been humbled and now they were willing to go God's way. They were willing. They had been made willing in the day of his power. They are willing to believe God now to go and occupy and have dominion over the, all the land that he had promised them. But in order, they had been commissioned by Joshua to slip in to the fortified city of Jericho, the city, the place that blocked entry into the promised land. They had been commissioned to slip into that city and to bring him back a report. Now, the scripture tells us that Rahab the harlot literally lived on the wall of Jericho. And in those days, the walls were wide enough and thick enough that people could actually live on the wall. And she lived there and the scriptures say that um, the these spies came in and they went to Rahab's dwelling and when the king of Jericho the fallen condemned lord of the place found out that the people they feared the most two spies had entered into their city to spy out the land the king of Jericho he uh, went to Rahab and he said where are those two men that came to you? And Rahab says, they're, they're not here. They left. At the shutting of the gate, they left. But if you quickly run out that gate and run towards Jordan, you may be able to capture them. And so they left to pursue. The, the men of Jericho left to pursue the two spies. But it tells us in Joshua chapter 2, that Rahab actually had taken those two spies, those two messengers of God, and took them to the rooftop and hid them. You see, Rahab lived in this environment of darkness and in a place where she sold herself cheaply, where I once said the hands of the world were all over her mind and spirit and body, and hence the need for that kind of pride That was like armor. But you see, according to the Lord of Darkness, the king of Jericho, Rahab now had this reputation of a harlot. 
But the reality was that change had come to her. She had the reputation of a harlot, but change had come to her. What she did, how she saw things, how she thought, she was no longer like the darkness that engulfed her. She was no longer a part of the darkness that surrounded her. She was completely different. And we know that because it tells us in Joshua chapter 2, 9 to 11, we actually get a little window into how she was thinking. And it says that, and she said unto the men that the ones that she had hidden, she said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Your terror is fallen upon us. And all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, and neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. So beloved, Rahab had experienced salvation. She had experienced this light and understanding that one, there is a God. Number two, he favors his people. Number three, she was living in the land that God had determined to give to his people. And she, I think that when she understood that God was judging the darkness of where she lived and her past lifestyle, and then she understood that Two messengers of the Lord were actually brought to her path. And that she understood very well the situation, what their coming meant. That the clock was ticking. And that where she lived was judged. And that there was going to be victory. And when she looked around for help on the right or the left, Every man's heart did faint. Everyone in their spirit was trembling before God. The enemy of that place, the Lord of darkness, they feared what God was going to do for his people. They were trembling. But Rahab translated that into action because when she received the messengers, she was saying, oh God, I know by this, if I will receive them, I know it's a token that you have received me. And I know that you've judged where I live and I know I live in darkness, but you have received me by sending these messengers to me. You have brought me light. But God, can you bring me hope? Can I be delivered too? Can I be delivered too? These messengers have come to her and she is saved, but she is yet undelivered from the stronghold of where she lives. And her journey of understanding what God was doing in her life first began with a complete fear and awe of the Lord. The Lord, he is God. And with that, she was driving out these thoughts of God, can you? God, I know you can. Now she was on the journey of God, will you? And she was going to be saved and delivered in Joshua 2. Rahab says, I know, I know that God has given you the land. 
Beloved, here I want to just outline what were her steps to receiving her supernatural deliverance. You see, this woman starts living in darkness, surrounded by darkness. By the end of her story, she is supernaturally delivered from her place of bondage. She is supernaturally delivered from where she dwells. So can we just look at four things of what happened in Joshua 2 that brought her to this point of supernatural deliverance? Number one, she accepts her deliverance and she accepts her acceptance with God. Or we need to accept our acceptance with God. This is so important and this is perhaps the greatest thing that needs to be understood. When there has been long-term strongholds, when there has been places of difficulty and struggle, the enemy wants us to believe that we have disappointed God, that we have to live plan B, that because there has been struggle and not a complete victory, that somehow our acceptance with God is diminished. Beloved, the scriptures tell us as soon as these spies, these messengers for God begin to speak to her, you know what they say to her after they hear what she has to say? They say to her, our life for yours verse 14. And the men answered her, our life for yours. They were saying to her, Rahab, our life has equal value to yours. We are part of a conquering army and God has given this place, even Jericho, but our life for yours, you and I, we, we recognize that you are a woman of God. We recognize, yes, you live on the wall of Jericho, but our life for yours, we're entering into agreement and, I will, and we are speaking what God is saying to tell you, our life for yours. Your life has equal value to ours. Just because you struggle does not mean you are diminished in the eyes of God. We need you, Rahab. We can't escape the plan of God of what he wants to do, not just in this time and place, but for all generations, all people reading this word will look at our story, will look at your story and what God did for you. He will repeat and he will do it again through the corridors of time. He will do it for every generation. He will do it for everyone who can see themselves in this story. For God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. Your life is as valuable as ours and we need you. Our life for your life. You are on the same plane as we are. You have, don't have a different track to God. You don't have a different way of communicating with him. Beloved, we struggle to accept our acceptance with God because we struggle. No, God has a plan and he's working something out. He doesn't deliver us all at once for all time, but he knows what he's doing when he takes his people on a journey of faith to bring them through to deliverance for his glory, his way. And beloved, for not losing faith and not losing hope in areas that we still struggle with, we have to fully embrace our and accept our total acceptance with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not less than because we struggle. They said, we need you, Rahab, and you are in the center of a God plan for deliverance that will speak for ages to come. Your testimony and your life will speak for ages to come. 
You are in the center of a God plan. Beloved, can we believe that where we struggle has a purpose far beyond what we know? And one of them will be so we don't get proud. See, this woman dealt with proud. Sin had walled her up into a place of pride. But God knew how to take that pride down brick by brick. That he may get all the glory when he delivers her. Sometimes, you know, we can be... As Christians, we can be people of the truth, but with no, we're just light, but no heat. You know what I'm talking about? Where we can just preach the truth to people. No compassion. If we don't have compassion, we don't have the power to see complete deliverance in our own life, in other people's life. There is something about not just light, but light and heat of a compassion that has to be worked in us. Hallelujah. And and they said in verse 14, they said, And when the Lord has given us the land, we will deal kindly and truly with thee. And beloved, that woman really did not know a lot of kindness and a lot of being dealt with truly in the darkness she came from. But God is saying, I'm not like where you've come from. And you know me, but you must continue to know me as one who deals kindly and truly with you. You and I have to hang on to that truth. That the Lord, as we are being delivered, as we're living on the wall, slated for destruction, that we will believe that God will continue to deal kindly and truly with us because that is the heart of God. We don't have to be perfect to be loved. We don't have to have it all right to be loved, that God is still for us. They said, we will deal kindly. And we will deal truly with us. And I think sometimes, beloved, we defeat the devil while we're waiting on our deliverance by saying, I thank you, God. You will continue to deal kindly and truly with me. Second of all, on this journey of longstanding deliverance from strongholds, number two, wisdom. Not only do we learn to accept our acceptance with God, but number two, wisdom. And the scripture says in verse 16 that she tells the spies, hide yourself, go to the mountains and lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourself there three days. Now, beloved, I believe that's a type and a symbol that God says that we are to hide his word in our hearts and we are to hide the promise of God. She told them hide for three days. May I say to you that God can do much in three days. Did not, when he walked this earth, did he not do much in three days? He just saved everybody who wanted to be saved. Day one, death. Day two, burial. Day three, resurrection. God can do much in three days. Now, part of being his people of God is we have to grow in trust. And God says, I will be your deliverer and I will take down those walls where you live. But you have to trust me. We think a lot of times, God, I'm going to ask you to deliver me. And it doesn't happen in a moment. It's like the enemy comes in who is a liar and an accuser of the brethren and say, see, where's your God now? Didn't you just ask him? I mean, didn't you ask him twice? Didn't you ask him in your best prayerful King James voice to deliver you? No, 
You see, the people of God are able and are learning to trust God in his timing, that he is good, that he knows what he's doing. He's doing exceedingly above that all that we are able to think or believe. He is doing something so amazing through us and in us. Does not the scripture say, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Deliverance, even though it doesn't happen at this moment, that does not mean that God is not doing something. I want to suggest that God is doing something way above what we are even can form the intent to ask him. I want to say to you that wisdom of being able to wait on the Lord those three days, that metaphorically speaking, is we're going to be trusting God in his timing and trusting God, period. When the enemy faces me down, you and I are being trained to put our face in this word. When the enemy faces us down, we are learning to put our face upward. And Lord, I thank you. You're going to hear my praise and you're going to hear my prayers. Hallelujah. We are learning that I do not take on the enemy's accusation by myself. Did you not say to me, my life for yours? Did you not say that your life is bound up in mine? Did you not say that you would deal kindly and truly with me? Did you not say to me through your word that my life for your life? Oh, beloved, you and I are learning. We are being trained in trust. God is training me to see things as he sees them. We are learning to receive wisdom from above, which the scripture says is peaceable. You and I, when it's not going according to our plan and it's not going according to our timing, we're not panicking. We're learning God Would you speak to me? God, would you keep my heart? God, I thank you. You died that I would be free. You died that I would know breakthrough. But Lord, you've got a plan, obviously. And I refuse to surrender to doubt and unbelief when I struggle the most. But Lord, you are training me to trust you and to train me to trust you in your timing because the wall where I live must be supernaturally taken down. It's not taken down by a plan, by a strategy, by a book, <laughs> I, reading a book, I, I read this story. These two guys, they were being, they were in the jungle and all of it. I, I don't tell jokes very well, but I'll try. And these two guys were in a, um, the jungle. I know you're praying right now. Honey. <laughs> and a lion shows up and they freeze in fear. And one guy says, remember it said in the book? Keep staring at him. Keep staring at him. And the other guy goes, you read the book. I read the book. Did the lion read the book? (laughs) Some deliverance has to be supernatural. That's where God gets glory. Amen. They just got it back there, maybe. the anointing shield things <laughs> wisdom from above it's peaceable you know beloved can you and i grow in grace that for a season in our life if god so wills that we are unafraid while we're undelivered can we be unoffended with god and still in a season of being undelivered can we declare that he is good even if it's just for a season 
Do you see that what God is doing? He is teaching us. He is training us to declare the highest truth that we will be set free, that we will know freedom. But you and I are being trained to a place where our faith has to grow because it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please him. And so he has us on this journey of faith. Beloved, I want to say to you, our walls are coming down. I just want to say, don't give up. God knows what he is doing. He knows how to put us on a path where he gets the most glory. And you and I change. We get so secure in the love of God while we're learning. Sometimes it feels painful, but it is We keep trusting him and declare him good. He has not pushed us away when we struggle. He has not rejected us when we need him the most. No, he he knows what he is doing. Hallelujah. But let us learn to be unafraid while undelivered. God knows what he's doing. And then when it leads us actually in Joshua chapter 2, is all of a sudden this woman is given boldness to ask largely of God. She is given boldness to ask largely of God. Now here she's in a place where um, she knows that she's, where she lives is slated to be destroyed. And yet the scripture says that in verse 13 she says, And will you also save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Beloved, you and I don't have to have a perfect life to ask largely of God. You and I don't have to have it all together in order to be heard. You and I don't, it, she says, save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters, and all that they have. If God answered her first prayer the first time, only she would have been delivered. She wouldn't have been brought into this place of asking largely of God. She wouldn't have understood. It was like, okay, I got to get it right. I've got to keep it all together. Then I can ask God to deliver me. And, sh- and when she gets there delivered, she looks back and goes, too bad you guys didn't have the faith I did. <laughs> No, she got moved from a place where she was getting secure of her acceptance in God. She was given wisdom. God, I'm perceiving you have not rejected me and you are in this. Yes, I have to battle for my peace at times. But God, when, my vo- when I look up and pray and praise, when I look down in the word and you're speaking to me through the word, God, somehow I'm given strength and now I'm understanding. I can ask largely in this place where I'm still waiting for you to give me breakthrough. Hallelujah. I can still ask largely. I'm learning something of your heart. I thought for a long time, you know, I can't ask favors of you till I get it right. And God is saying, no, that's not how it works. You see, I have this relationship with you and I've got you. I'm going to deliver you. It's going to be supernatural. But 
as this is happening, I'm going to give you a testimony. I want you to call all your family and I want you to call them to your house. And I want you to declare that God will be faithful to us and God will deliver us from the death appointed all around us. And he will take us from darkness to light. But beloved, we do that by faith, don't we? Because we are being convinced slowly that the terms of my deliverance aren't on my goodness and my performance. They are on the word of God to me because I am his and I am his child and he chose to save me. Hallelujah. And we have rights as the children of God and we can ask largely because it's in his heart to deliver us and them. And all the ones we ask largely for, God is doing something greater and beyond what we know. Hallelujah. And I would think that faith is increasing while she's waiting. Yes, I do. Why otherwise does she ask largely? Her faith has to be increasing. It's not narrowing down. God, are you, are you still listening to me? Am I still under your favor? I mean, am I just going to barely escape? You wouldn't even think of asking for others. No, her faith has to be moving in another way. Her faith is actually increasing while she is waiting. Beloved, we've just got to learn to thank God sometimes for saving us from ourselves. And saving us from low-level prayers and desires. You know, you may be the only one raising, your voice may be the only one raising their name before God in the throne. We can't wait till we're delivered before we can pray largely for others. No, because as we pray for them, we will be given a connection to them. And God will open a door where they'll start to listen to us and give us spiritual authority with them because our faith is increasing and we're going to get bolder and we're going to say our God is a delivering God and it becomes true in your heart. You know, there was a season in my life I wanted desperately to move. Um, I was not happy where we were living and um, I wanted to live a life of my choosing. Sure, you know. Of course, I wanted God over it, but I mean, I wanted to live a life of my choosing. And every time I hoped that we could move, it was no, no, no. And for a season, I was so obsessed with it because I thought, if I can live where I want to live, then I will be happy. You know, when I was being really super spiritual with people, of course, I would tell them that's not true. But that's what was really going on in my heart. If I could just move, then I would be happy. And it was a no, no, no. And I thank God it was no, no, no. I actually want you to say out loud what is in your heart. I actually want you to admit to Teresa what goes on there. I don't want a cloak. I want you to be authentic. And little by little, God gave me the courage to say, God, you know, I, I'm embracing this lie. And I know in my head it's not right, but my heart believes it. My heart seems to have a mind of its own. God, I'm so sorry. I know it's not true. And little by little, he conformed my heart to truth where it didn't matter to me anymore where I lived. Now, beloved, I challenge you to find on a map where Curran, Ontario is. Is you will not find Curran, Ontario on a map. That's where I lived. I, and I actually wanted to move just down the street to some, you know, other location in Curran, Ontario, Canada. But God had New York City in mind for me. Oh 
my goodness. Oh my, you can find that on a map. <laughs> People have heard of New York. It's, you know, it's not that you care, but, but in some ways the plan for God to, in order, he had to deliver me from my narrowness. He had to deliver me from my unbelief. He had to, my, he had to deliver me from my inauthenticity word. I just heard a quote. It says, a true believer will never make God small. But God invade my narrowness and my smallness and deliver me, oh God, from that and deliver all that comes with it. Ask largely, beloved. And finally, this woman followed the plan God gave her. She followed the plan God gave her. Her deliverance was so imminent. And the verse, in verse 15, it said, she let them down by a cord, a rope through the window. She let these spies, messengers down because the gate was shut. And they had to return to their army to bring back the news. This city is ours. We were turned away once by unbelief, but now we know the enemy is in fear and trembling of the spirit of God and the power of God. And we found a woman who believes him and she made a wave escape. She put down a cord through the window. And beloved, when she let those spies go, the next time she saw them, they would be at the head of a returning army to destroy where she lived. And she had to be in agreement with that plan. And she followed the plan of God. And she gathered her family to her. And verse 15 says she let them down by a cord. But verse 18, it says, behold, when we come back, you shall bind the line of scarlet thread in the window, which you let us down by. And beloved, is that not what happens the half hour before our deliverance? It looks like what they go down on is a rope. It looks like what we go down on is a thread. It's a rope to them. It's a thread to me. Is that not true? It's like, of course, they get a rope. Of course, they get something sturdy. They're great people of faith. Of course, they get the red rope down. But when it comes to me and all my family, it becomes a thread. And God, will it hold? Will it be will it, is it strong enough in my time of fear? That last half hour before deliverance, will it hold? Will it be strong enough for our deliverance? Because, beloved, the closer we get to that time of deliverance, the greater the opposition is. But God says, I am making a way of escape, and this is a way of faith, not of reason. And the last thing is we have to come to, into agreement with God. Because verse 15 says, for her house was upon the wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And now, beloved, comes the time where she lived, that place, that stronghold of fear, those strongholds of will I be accepted in the end by God? Is my faith enough? Am I enough? My family is depending on me. I have gathered them here because of your word to me. Through these spies, I have gathered people, oh God, and your promises that you were going to deliver us from this death and you were going to break through and Lord, I, I just have to believe, beloved, as she did, your life for 
our life and yours. That idea of acceptance. This wisdom. Will you wait on my timing? I will deliver you. I am a delivering God. Will you continue to ask largely? Will you stay in your place and stay in my plan and fear not? And the scripture says they did get down that red thread. They did. It was enough. They, it held. And the scripture says that the walls of Jericho came down supernaturally. Because everybody was in their place. The armies of God marched around it one time for six days. And then on the seventh day, they marched around the walls of Jericho seven times under the command of God. And on the seventh time, on the seventh day, those walls supernaturally were demolished by God. Not a sword, not an attack, not a plan of God brought those walls down, but the plan, but God's voice and God's God's way brought it down. Those walls were supernaturally demolished. And beloved, I just want to say that is what is going to happen to us. I just want to say, fear not, beloved. Don't give up. Don't look at something that has troubled you or plagued you for a long while. See yourself somewhere in Joshua too. But I do want to say today also, is the day of our deliverance. That a lot of times you may have seen yourself on this journey and the enemy has been pounding hard. There is no hope for you in God. There is no help for you in God. But beloved, we're going to just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. I am fully accepted by you. And I thank you that you died for my freedom. That I am going to look at these places of stronghold and I know that you will supernaturally demolish them. And I thank you that while I am walking in this place undelivered, I will be unafraid. And in the sense of, I will believe you, O God. I will not let the accuser of the brethren, the father of lies, lie me out of my destiny, which is to be set free supernaturally by the power of God. He did it. For Rahab. He did it for that woman with a changed lifestyle who lived on a wall that was destined for destruction. And you and I have places, a stronghold in our minds that God says, I have destined to destroy that. So fear not. I will do it my way and my time. And beloved, I just want to say, I think today God is going to demolish many strongholds here. This woman, Rahab, ended up in the Hebrews Hall of Fame. Her name was mentioned with Abraham, Moses, Isaac. She was exalted. When, when we name the heroes of faith, we mention Rahab. We include her in that. And beloved, her battle is no greater, no less than yours and mine. But I say that as the people of God, God has a, a, a plan. God has reasons for why we didn't get all delivered all at once at one time. But we will not be robbed of the hope of the goodness of God and the power of God. Because we can look those strongholds in the eye and say, you know something? Strongholders fear, strongholds 
that plague me. I just want to declare to you, you live on the Jericho wall. You live on the Jericho wall. And I thank you, oh God, you will be faithful to me like you were to her. And so today I'm going to rise in faith. Today I'm going to look at what has been a long-standing stronghold. And I'm going to declare over it, God is good. I'm going to declare over it that God died for my freedom. I'm going to declare it's going to be his time, his way. Because he's doing something deeper than just saving me. He is doing something better than just my deliverance. It's been said, you know, Moses set out to deliver the people of God. And in the early days, he killed one Egyptian, didn't he? And then hid him in the sand and then ran away to the desert. Thought his chance with God and the call in his life was all ended. No, but God had a plan and how to bring that man back to faith. Because when he put him at the head of an army, it was to deliver millions of people. Beloved, can we trust God with our strongholds? Can we look them in the face and say, God, you are greater and you are stronger. And devil, you will not cheat me out of a deliverance that is supernaturally accomplished by the goodness of God, the mercy of God through Jesus Christ, his son. So I'm just going to ask us, beloved, will you stand with me? Will you stand? I believe today... God is giving breakthrough. God is giving breakthrough. There are places that you had given over because you'd walked a long time. And you've withdrawn from the battle of believing God could ever do something about that despair, ever do something about those children, ever do something about that area that's a stronghold. But to declare today... Today, if we belong to God, that stronghold lives on the Jericho wall and it is destined to be demolished supernaturally. And some of us, let's just picture right now what that place is. And that stronghold that's been with us a long time to the place where we've backed up and we've not let God touch it because we're afraid that if we brought that to the light, we might lose a little bit of faith we have because he's not done anything about it. But beloved, God is better than that. He is bigger than that. And so many times we've not let God touch it because of the fear that surrounds it. That if we let hope revive again, if we let faith come anywhere near that, what if it doesn't happen? Beloved, it's going to happen. God is going to supernaturally demolish that place that is a stronghold that does not bring him glory. Beloved, we can rise again and look at that thing and say, I bring it to the light and I thank you today. You've exposed it. It lives on Jericho. And I agree. I come into into agreement, oh God, that when you return, when you return hope to me, when you bring return faith to me, oh God, 
You're going to be returning with an army. And I come into agreement, oh God, destroy a lifestyle that might feed it. Destroy, oh God, places where I feel helpless and hopeless before it. Oh God, I can do nothing, but I know you can do everything. With you, nothing is impossible. There is no stronghold that can exist outside of your capability to demolish it. Oh God, I am your child and I please you by faith. So I bring it to the light and I thank you today. It's been revealed. It lives on the Jericho wall, slated for destruction. So revive my faith, oh God. Revive my hope again, oh God. Thank you for not pushing me away when I gave up hope. Thank you for not being disappointed in me when I withdrew, oh God, from believing that you could ever work in this area again. But Lord Jesus, thank you. I understand today by looking down in your word and looking up into your face that you are for me and you are with me, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to ask this place, all over this place, people that are willing to have God shine a light in that area and to say, oh God, I revive. I'm asking you to revive hope and faith in that area again because you don't get glory when I wall off areas where I live in unbelief. And I thank you, God. You will be faithful to me. And I'm going to enter into the, with the armies of God marching into the promised land. That walled city of Jericho will supernaturally fall. And I will enter in with a conquering army. And I will enter into the victory of Christ. And I will enter into what he has for me. And I will not let any walled off areas, oh God, continue to live when you call it Jericho. Slated for a supernatural destruction, oh God. So, Lord, revive that hope even in the darkest of places because you will be faithful to your people. Now, if that is you and that you're joining the ranks of believing again because you are convinced Christ alone can, you can enter back into the promised land of victory of Christ because he loves us, because he is the captain of the host. Hallelujah. Let's just quickly step out wherever you are say, God, revive the hope and revive the faith in that walled off area. Come quickly, beloved. God is going to meet us in this place. He's going to meet us today in our neediness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we just open up now that you're dealing kindly with us. You are dealing kindly and truly with us. You are dealing kindly and truly with us. Thank you. You've not pushed me away, Lord. When I needed you the most. You're not disappointed in me, oh God. You are not disappointed in me. You are calling me back into a place of hope again. Where there should be no hope. You are calling me back into a place of hope. Hallelujah. So I take my hands off. where I've got all my reasons why you can't and why you won't. And I'm going to let you touch me again, oh God, and revive the hope. Hallelujah. Beloved, those that have joined me at the altar, let us come into agreement with God as Rahab did.
because her house, her thoughts, her mind, her house dwelt upon a wall, the wall that God had slated for destruction, that he would supernaturally himself demolish. Let's come into agreement that that house has to come down. Do what you have to do, oh God, but I thank you my deliverance is sure. I come into agreement Wherever in my mind I have made a house and a refuge of lies, of hopelessness, of unbelief and despair, I come into agreement. Oh God, you return with an army, with the anointing of God to demolish that place, not by their hand, but by your promise and your word. So God, we come into agreement. Your promise is sure. There will be a demolishing of that place where I lived in darkness, where I lived in lies, where I lived in a lifestyle, oh God, that needs, I come into agreement, demolish it. And I thank you, oh God. I believe you. Your purpose, Lord, I wait on you. Waiting is not wasted time. Waiting is where you, my faith will increase. But I thank you. I invite you, oh God, I come into agreement, demolish, pull down the strongholds of unbelief, pull down the places, oh God, that I have lost hope. For you have not lost hope, oh God, in what you are able to do through one who lifts their head and looks to you. So I just thank you today for what you're doing. I thank you for reviving hope because it's going to bring glory to you. You're going to, Lord, I'm going to ask largely. I'm not, I am moving ahead and I am believing you. I thank you, oh God, you're going to get so much glory out of the testimony you are giving me. I thank you. There's no place off limits to your spirit, to your love, to your redeeming power, oh God. There's no place off limits, oh God. I come into agreement, demolish where I have lived, demolish where I've set up camp, oh God, and not believed you. So I thank you, you will. I thank you, you did it for Rahab. I thank you, she believed you when it was impossible and you put her as a hero of faith. I thank you, oh God, you will strongly, you will deal tenderly with me. You will deal kindly with me. You will remind me that I can accept my acceptance with you. And oh God, I thank you for doing what only you can do. So long-standing strongholds in the name of Jesus, we speak your death and destruction. We thank you for deliverance, oh God. We thank you for the deliverance, oh God, that only comes for you. And I thank you, oh God, we are joining that army that is entering the promised land because Christ is at the head of the army. I'm going into the promised land. I'm going in. I'm going in. I'm going in in victory, oh God. Hallelujah. Because you promised it. And by the grace of God, because you've been good, I believe it. Let your grace, your tenderness, and your kindness continue upon me, O God. And I thank you. I receive my deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen.